Welcome to Church Ahead, the weekly Christian podcast talking about big questions facing the future of church with Rev L all the way from the north of England. Episode 79. Happy Christmas. While shepherds wash their socks by night or watching BBC, the angel of the Lord came down and switched to ITV. Oh, come, all ye faithful, united is disgraceful. Oh, come, ye, come ye to Main Road. Or the relatively orthodox, we three kings from Orient are one in a taxi, one in a car. One on his scooter, pibbing his hooter, following yonder star. I'm sure New Testament scholars can entertain this speculation, as the Gospels don't describe the Magi mode of transport. When I led carol services as a Church of England curate, those were the versions of the carols I found it very hard not to sing. That was not the spirit of naughtiness, a subversion. It was simply... Reversion to childhood. At Christmas, we all go back to our early years, and my earliest Christmases were not very Christian, not very churchish Christmases. Long before I went near a church, I learned these versions of the Christmas carols in the school playground, and I never quite grew out of them or shook them off. When I started going to church at eight, I learned the Christian Christmas with proper carols, full-fat nativity. There's no question in my mind the church Christmas is better than the secular commercial Christmas. But the thing is, which one has shaped me more? The list of church Christmas virtues is a long one. I always liked processing round the neighbourhood with other teenagers and carol singing, which felt like the best face of outgoing worship. As a young man, I was quite taken with the idea of the incarnation. Finding faith in a church called Emmanuel, I rather like the notion that God is with us. But the older I get, the more drawn I am back to my pre-church childhood Christmas. And the church Christmas feels like a light dusting of snow melting away. The doctor sent me a message in November warning that Christmas can be very difficult for those who are weighed down by sadness or loss in their homes. Let me tell you about my home life this Christmas. It's very nice. I live in a large, lovely house in a nice area with a wonderful family. Clouds in the sky, the biggest grief Loss for many years was the death of my mother, which felt like a healthy, natural process. With so many things to be thankful for, the sense of gratitude outweighs any loss. I've an embarrassingly nice life. Good health, good holidays, financial security, every entertainment I want, really good friends, very little to complain about. One of the most important roles God plays in my life is someone to thank for it all. And most of the year, I'm a glass half full sort of Christian, brimming with gratitude to God for the blessings of this life. But not so much at Christmas.
Each year in December, the successful middle-aged man goes away. And I'm a child once again. I'm a seven-year-old, lisping, specky four-eyed boy coming home from school where I'm in trouble again. My mother is in a bad mood with a migraine. My father is who knows where. It's damp and cold outside and there aren't many presents inside. I'm not sure many of the other children on our street had it much better. Christmas always felt like the biggest tease of the year, a massive build-up of expectation that never fails to disappoint. I don't remember games or fun or festivity. The grown-ups around me did not play with children. They complained what an expensive nuisance we were. In some homes on Perth Avenue, there would be an outburst of joy on Christmas morning, but it wouldn't last long. So, Doc, it's not just the visibly struggling who find Christmas a trial. It's also many of us who look as though we're going along very nicely, thank you. And not only am I doing nicely on the outside, the inside isn't too bad either. I'm lucky with my mental health and temperament. I don't suffer from depression very much. But December is always the most challenging time of the year for me. Now, I live with people who love Christmas. I'm the only miserable dissenter in my family. All the rest of them relish it, every bit of it. In our family democracy, the government introduces more decorations earlier than I as the opposition party would vote for. All the rest of them embrace it with excitement and enthusiasm. And yes, you're right. As well as feeling miserable about my own Christmas, I also feel guilty that I can't fully join in the fun of theirs. I hate spoiling it for everyone else. Oh, come on, you've got a lovely life, a lovely family, so what's the matter with you? I don't know. Well, I don't know what's the matter with the smugly successful middle-aged man. Ask that six-year-old only child whose mother has a migraine with no present from his father this year, because that's who I am today. I don't want to overdo it. All right, I can, on the day itself, enjoy a good roast lunch. Some Christmas cards make me smile. Seeing the faces of our children light up the first time we switched on the tree lights was a magic moment. I have learned the skill of going with the flow and pretending to enjoy myself, but there's not much hope I can offer you. Catherine Fox, the novelist, and Fergus Butler Galley, the columnist, are amongst the best writers about church life today. And if they were writing this up, they would give you a bit of melodrama and perhaps some swearing, and then lead you towards the glow of redemption in the final paragraph. Well, I'm afraid you're not going to get any redemption from me today. There's a sermon I wanted to preach for many years, but never quite had the nerve. It's not for a family congregation, but perhaps a late night Christmas Eve. And it would start like this. I wouldn't rush the start. I'd look round and establish eye contact and wait until I could see everyone is listening. And then the opening line. Yes, you've guessed it. I hate Christmas. Pause. 
pause, pause, pause. And so do many of you. And the first paragraph or two will give the doctor's diatribe about why so many people struggle. It wouldn't mention that six-year-old boy in Oldham, but of course he would linger just below the surface. Scratch the words and you would see him cry. This would be an easy sermon to start, but I don't really know how it would finish. And I suppose that's if people didn't walk out in the middle. The nativity story is one of Christianity's greatest assets. And if I were a vicar, I would put on as many nativity pageants as I could get away with. Not just in the church, in the school, in the supermarket, anywhere I could find an audience. I could see myself prowling the parish, tea towels at the ready. It's a wonderful story. And in lots of ways, it's quite a dark story. Unwanted pregnancy, disruption, compliance with military occupation, displacement. This year I can't help wondering, did the Holy Family find their way to Egypt through Gaza? Perhaps it's too dark and difficult for mainstream society. So I'm hardly the first to bring darkness to the light of your Christmas. Of course I love the nativity story, but I can't help feeling that it's been in a running battle with Father Christmas and commercial secular Christmas for the whole of my life. And it's losing. What's winning? Materialism, waste and greed. I don't mind watching rich people waste their money, but when I see people spend money they haven't got on things that bring little benefit to those they love, yes, that gets to me. The world I grew up in was both materialistic and poor. That's not a happy combination. Here's today's bit of sociology. I think for most parents in the bottom fifth of income, Christmas is a terrible burden. That was the reality of it for the grown-ups on the street where I grew up. What about incarnation? Doesn't this brilliant big idea give us a rallying point to lift us? One of the most exciting periods in my theological education was at A-level, moving on from studying the Synoptic Gospels to the first chapter of John's Gospel, where the carpet of incarnation is rolled out with Greek philosophical and Hebrew Old Testament language, a new creation and clever philosopher's reason. It's a big, brilliant idea, all right, even big enough to fill the big head of a 17-year-old boy starting to think of himself as a theologian. A boy who hardly knows anything about his father, if he's still alive, but could tell you every theory in the book about the relationship between God the Father and God the Son. But somewhere along the way, Santa Claus outdid the Incarnation. In 1644, the Puritans tried to ban Christmas, 21st century society has been subtler and far more effective in capturing it for something else. Incarnation has struggled to keep up. It's a big idea, but it, it, is it powerful enough to hold its own? The church where I learned about Christian Christmas was called Emmanuel Church, Chanderton. I can still remember the vicar periodically telling us what the name means. That church was closed down and demolished. Has the Incarnation fared any better? Here's the acid test for me. 
this December, which of these two things has greater emotional purchase on me? God the Son coming into the world as the second person of the Trinity so that I can know God the Father is with me and God the Spirit is coming round the corner or the experience of that little lad round about 1970. I think you know the answer. I don't see much God in Christmas. I don't see much God in the world at this time of year. And I see a church losing to the world during the season that it owns. Every time I hear that dreadful word in autumn, that signals the retreat of God in my world for the season. I suspect most Church Ahead listeners rather like Christmas. What I think probably sends us one way or the other is whether we had a happy childhood rather than any particular belief. I think some of you will look back on your childhood Christmas as one of the happiest times of the year and the memory will fill you with respect and gratitude for your good Christian parents. Those occasions were an important part in the mechanism of transferring faith from one generation to another. What I value about Christian Christmas is just how different it was from my early years experience. I wouldn't want it to be the same. Most of the nice, sane Christian families I know managed to blend the two Christmas worlds quite skillfully. Baby Jesus and Father Christmas, presents and church, feast, family, festivity and Christian worship. So whether Christmas is pagan solstice hijacked by the church or Christianity hollowed out by materialism is a slightly academic question. I can tell you this issue would have been no interest to that little boy. What does he know about his place in the world? He doesn't know he's poor. His mother knows this, but no one around is, is any different, so off economically, so he thinks of himself as just normal. He's learning to shrug off being fatherless for most of the year, but it is harder come Christmas. He knows the main man in Christmas round here is Father Christmas. This Father Christmas brings the presents. In a few years, he'll get caught up with God the Father sending God the Son. But that's not much help either, because the one thing he really knows is that he has no father anywhere to be seen. He's met his father a few times, and sometimes there's been a present, but not this year. Final memory. I'm five years old, and my mother's got a migraine but no money. Mum, where's my dad? Now I've really upset her. I hate Christmas. I always have and I always will, but don't worry, it'll be January soon and I'll be buzzing with joy again. Jingle bells, United Smells, City all the way. That was episode 79. I always end each episode by thanking you for listening. Well, if you've listened right through this one, then I am doubly grateful. Thank you very much for supporting Church Ahead through 2023. In 2024, we're going to look at the challenge of Islam, lay ministry and resurrection. Please join us again on the 5th of January 2024.